0: I am Dr. Tasha Browning, a trauma therapist, and this is The Trauma Perspective. In this podcast, we will discuss various topics surrounding mental health, trauma work, trauma healing, and explore the lived experiences of trauma survivors. Be warned, trauma is a dirty topic. It is thick with hurt, and it reveals some of the ugliest sides of human existence. These discussions may not be appropriate for all listeners. So take a breath, stay present, and let's discuss the Trauma Perspective. Welcome back to the Trauma Perspective, and it's been a minute because life, but Um, I also needed to think about where I wanted to go with this podcast and how I wanted to move forward in a way that would improve it, uh, in a way that maybe it could be more impactful, in a way that I could be better at doing podcasts, but also maybe be better as a therapist when interviewing people in these podcasts. And then... My sister invited me to her show. Her show that she um, curated. Curated, yes, because you're professional now. <laughs> and then, uh, boom! There's my inspiration for where I feel that the next uh, couple episodes of this podcast where it needs to go. And so we're gonna call this the Artist Series, and we are gonna talk to a couple different artists about their lived experiences. And how um, their life and their trauma shows up in those experiences. And so, this first one is probably going to be the most difficult one. Probably the one where the most vulnerable. uh, Because I'm interviewing my baby sister. Baby sister! Yes! (laughs) And some of her lived experiences are also my own lived experiences. And so, through this interview, um, you're also maybe getting to know me a little bit better. So... Um, let's open this up. Uh, Jillian, yes. Can you please introduce yourself?
1: Uh, hello. My name is Jillian May Browning. I'm an interdisciplinary artist, uh, and I'm currently serving as assistant professor of photography at the University of Alabama in Birmingham.
0: Yes, you are. And so, what kind of art do you make?
1: Uh, so I am um technically a photographer, but I like to use the term interdisciplinary artist because I do use different Modes and mediums and the things that I create. Uh, all of my background and my education is in photography, but I use it's sort of image based. It's historical alternative processes and things along those lines. But if you use the term photography, people assume that you photograph like weddings and babies, and that's not me. And also, they assume you like always take pictures, and that is also not me. Ask Tasha. I ain't taking a picture of nothing and nobody. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but so I will. I just like to use the term artist. But I am a professor of photography.
0: Okay, but this path that you're on now, mm-hmm. um, which is also what showed up in this show that you just curated, this isn't where you started. So yes. I think we need to wind it back and let's let's start let's start
1: from the beginning. Okay. Baby Jillian. Baby Jillian. College. Mm-hmm. Yes. In college. In um, college. So I have a bachelor's of science degree in photography. And so that differs when it comes to other different kinds of degrees. You get, you get, I don't have a BFA. I don't have, I even have a BA. So my particular degree in photography, I went to an institution that specialized in commercial photography. And so when you went there, it was like, we're going to give you everything you need to get a job in photography as in like commercially Shooting products, babies, weddings, starting a business. Like, that that was what it was. You
0: know what? I think I got to stop you there. Because I think we need to go further back than that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Because we've had other conversations. Let's go baby, baby Jillian in (laughs) high school. Okay, high school Jillian? High school Jillian. Mm -hmm. Like, even deciding to be a photographer is a big step given the background and how we grew up and where we come from and all that.
1: Yes, and so, like, I got I got into photography because of, like, the music scene that we grew up in. Yeah. But mm-hmm. also, like, I mean, like, the idea, too, that, like, we could, I was, like, t- telling our parents, I'm going to go to art school. Like, they never said no, but they also weren't, like, super excited. But they also were like, you'll figure it out. They're very much like those kind of people. Um, but, yeah, I think I just kind of, like, I think it's not a surprise and you've known me my entire life, so I don't think it's a surprise that I am an artist out of, like, how I acted as a child and the things that I did.
0: No, not a shocker. Exactly.
1: Yes. Um, and so I think that's kind of, like, maybe maybe the only uh, path that I feel that I... Not, like, could have gone, because I could have done other stuff. You know, we're very, I refuse to be wrong about anything. I could have went to school for engineering, and I'd be an engineer right now, because I'm not going to look stupid in public. <laughs> so, um, but... I know. I feel like like the, you know, the idea that I went to school, that I went to school for photography um, was like the, just like, I don't know. I don't know. Art. I knew that I was like, it's something that I, that I wanted to do. And so I did it. But you took a chance. Yeah. You took a chance that I actually didn't take. You did it. I don't know why you did it. You're the oldest. That's why you did it. <laughs> <laughs> no. You did it. That also, first daughter, dra- uh, that also, first we will, daughter we drama. We will say too, we have an age gap. Yes.
0: My sister and I have a very large age. Yes. She is eight years younger than me. Exactly. So So I was adulting when she was making these decisions. You
1: couldn't take the chances. You were the first child. And then I saw you like doing the thing. And then at that point too, our parents were like, who are these uh, other two children that we even have? I don't even know who they are. They're (laughs) just running off willy-nilly doing whatever they want. And so they were just like, you know, Jillian, just making art. But did that, did that not ever scare you
0: to go off and say, I'm going to be an artist. I'm going to choose this profession that has literally no guarantees. <laughs> Although from what I know now, you probably have more opportunities for like income and money than most people. But like, th- th- was there not ever a level of fear there in choosing this path, especially coming from, you know, how we started, which was literally from the ground up mm-hmm. in the backwoods yes. in the country, in the South. We'll say, Ocala, we'll say that too. literally so, barefoot selling watermelons on the side of the road. Thank row. you. So you normally <laughs> oh God, would not that's choose. That's not even an
1: exaggeration. That's not an exaggeration.
0: <laughs> um, you, you, you normally don't choose. You, you're not normally as brave to choose such a path that's not necessarily so ga- guaranteed. I know that if you would have said doctor or lawyer, our parents would have been like, okay, <laughs> another doctor, we could do that. <laughs> but when you say artist, that is a jump yeah. in generational curses. Yeah. That's a jump in, in a generational lineage to lineage to break in this uh perspective that, you know, I have to find a job or choose something that's going to be stable. Yeah. Now it's taking you in a wonderful direction, but like
1: I think for me, though, is that what gave me, like, a little bit less of, like, being frightful about it was that my degree was a commercial photography degree. And so they sell it in the idea of, like, this is a practical degree. Like, it is a degree where we will give you everything that you need to know about becoming a commercial photographer, which if you're not familiar with art, like, that is—it's like going to school for graphic design. Like, everybody who is—I'll I'll say this where I currently teach—most of the students are graphic design and quotation marks majors because that's the— the job. You know, that's that's the degree that's going to give you the job. Getting a degree in painting is not going to give you a job. It will. But the graphic design degree is like, oh, this is like the technical degree that will get me a job. And so when I started in my in my photography program, it wasn't an art degree. And so I think it gave our parents peace of mind. And also it kind of gave me, 18-year-old Julian, sort of peace of mind to be like, this is a, a a degree where I will go and then get a job after I get this. Because they're teaching me how to get a job. It's not, you know, you know, it's, it's not teaching me art. In my undergraduate degree... Um, At least like half of it, at least, was very, very technical because I have an associates of science and photography, which is like the very, very, very technical part of it where like there's no you don't learn other kinds of art at all. It's literally just photography. And then the last two years of it, which are a little bit more conceptual, kind of a little bit, you know, like we're getting into like talking about why you make art or how you talk about the art that you make. But it still didn't have to be art if you didn't want it to be. It could just be pretty images. It could just be very technical Images. It could be you did a whole portfolio of photographing glass, like things that will get you a job. Like that's what it could have been. You can sway it however you want. And I swayed it. I swayed it into my last my my actual like uh, thesis exhibition. Swayed it into being more conceptual art. That's what I wanted to do, but there wasn't like support for that. And so I think what kind of gave me the support was that I was going to a degree. At least 18 year old Julian who thought I wanted to be a photographer. Uh, teaching me and giving me resources to work and become a commercial photographer, getting a job, opening a business to be a photographer. Um, And that's what I think was like, okay, so um, this is a path. It's going to be, it's going to be a path. I have a path. I have a vision for it. Um, And then, so that's what was like less scary for me and also think less scary for our parents. Like, you know, when we, when we, I toured that school for a class trip and then went back with mom and daddy and, you know, and the chair of the program, like walked everybody around and was like talking about the program and like, this is what you're going to do here. And they gave peace of mind to our parents. But I'll also say our parents can't could not have really told me what I could have gone to college for because they didn't pay for any of it. So I could I that's why I think I continued. But also, I mean, they really could not have been like, you can't do this because, like, I paid for all of my school. You paid for all of your school. Our little sister paid for all of her school. So, like, it's a, I think it's also different, too, when it's, when you're paying for it, you kind of more follow those dreams and your parents don't have to, like, dictate what you're doing.
0: Yeah, so you're, you you still, so you chose the safest route that you can tolerate, because I know how you are about any other type of profession, But life happens and you're in school and self-awareness kicks in and societal understandings and new ways and new perspectives on life kick in. And then all of a sudden you realize, I am not a commercial photographer. This is not feeding my
1: soul. And now you turn into what? Yeah. So I didn't didn't like it. Like, I literally was like, I don't like doing this. Also, like, when you learn about it and you actually do it too, because like, the the program that I went to, I mean, I I love that program and the things that I that I learned from there, but they also didn't like really help you get a job or even like explain to you how to get jobs. But I am ambitious, and also I had my emotional support best friend who's just as ambitious as me, and so we were going out and finding jobs and doing jobs and and making shoots and making things happen and like figuring out that like this was not the life that I wanted to lead because it's not you don't really go out and just get hired as a photographer anymore because I was at that th- that threshold of. People still getting st- like like uh, like staff photography positions at like newspapers, and that and phasing out to to like social media. And so like in that mid two thousands range, so, like I was in, in undergrad from two thousand seven to two thousand twelve, and so like that was that middle ground of like some people were still getting jobs at newspapers, but mostly it was dropping to freelance or that kind of stuff. Or some people were still getting stock jobs at like magazines, but that wasn't really how it worked anymore. And so it became less of a You will absolutely be able to have a portfolio and go get a job and more of a, you're going to have to work for free and do all this stuff and like really try to get that to be working as a photographer. And like, as I was doing that, I was like, I don't, this isn't really like the thing that I like to do. And like, yes, it was fun and I was, I was good at it, but it wasn't something that I like really, really wanted to pursue. I just, you have to work for everything. Even when it's art, you have to work for the things that you have. And I had already decided at like 22 21, that I was not willing to put in the work that I needed to do to do that. It just was not fulfilling my soul. I hated it. And then I was also like finding, thinking about other things that I wanted to do with art, because I knew I still wanted to be an artist, but I did not want to work in the field of photography. That just wasn't doing it for me. Um, and then at the time, I was working at the museum that was on campus. And I was like doing museum stuff. Like, oh, I like museums. Like, I like working in museums and doing stuff. And then I started doing the education programs at the museum. And I was like, oh, snap! I love teaching. And so, like, I really, really liked that. But also, I also knew too because the kid, the the stuff at the museum was kids. And I was like, I don't want to teach K through twelve. I love teaching, but not children. And so I started like looking up what do you need? Like, what are the options for me if I want to go into education uh, when it comes to my art degree and like what I want to do. And I almost transferred out of my bachelor's program into, like, a bachelor's in, like, art ed. But I was like, okay, no, that's K through 12. I don't want to teach kids. So
0: what is when does this transition start to happen? Because I remember, like, seeing your art and we start moving away from fashion photography. Yes, which is what uh-huh. I wanted to do. I was going to be a, was, If you ask 18-year-old Jillian... <laughs> what they were going to be when they grew up. And I would say
1: <laughs> famous because I was going to move to New York and become a fashion photographer. Yes,
0: I, I know. And then all of a sudden, within a couple semesters, now I'm looking at identity and feminism and the Black experience. Uh-huh. What what took place in that transition? What made you start to say that this is something that I need to start making art about?
1: I think it's just like I, I think that I wanted more and like the education, I have to again. I, I'm not. I'm. I really liked my undergrad program and I will tell you all the things that I did not like about lots of programs that I have been in or worked for, but like, I really enjoyed my undergraduate program and the education that it gave me, but it also gave us literally no other education in any other type of art or, or even like studying other concepts when it came to art in those first two years. And so I had moved into my th- third year of my uh, undergraduate degree and that's like the part that was like a little bit more conceptual and like all that stuff. And so I was taking like a class on contemporary art and like finally... Finding other artists that like how they used photography. And I went, Oh snap. So photography can be this because I had spent two years just learning the fundamentals, like, like just the history and then how to shoot stuff. So like, if anyone is listening to the podcast, has ever gone to art school before you take lots of different classes, your classes are maybe more general. You take classes about how you talk about art and how you do this. And maybe they focus on your ideas. I took classes that were like four photography classes a semester, just photography. I never took another class that was not photography until graduate school. And so like we would have this one class is about lighting glass. This one class is lighting metal. This one class is lighting people outside. This one class is lighting people inside. So it was very, very specific and very, very technical and no place to like explore ideas. Everything was how to make a proper picture. And so when I got to a class that was like, here's artists that are like making art that's not technical and they're making this stuff about this. And I was like, oh, snap. So like there's like other stuff you can be doing with this. And so I was basically sort of like three years into a program. And I was like, I do not want to be a commercial photographer. Like that's not what I want to do. And so I started using sort of a little bit more of the space of the last final two years of my undergraduate program to like explore stuff and I was like, what are the things that I want to explore? What are my lived experiences? And I think a lot a lot of that was just like the closest thing to me was a lived experience. So I want to talk about race. I want to talk about growing up in the South. I want to talk about like my experiences doing that. Also, I'll say like a lot of art programs, I was like one of two or three black people in my entire program. And so like I wanted to talk about stuff. There was There was nobody else there that like could talk about it or want to talk about it, but like I wanted to talk about those experiences and what that was and how that affected me and how that grew me as a person. And so that's what I wanted to do. And then that's when I also was like trying to figure out, like, what, what do you do if I'm, I'm going to get my bachelor's degree? And what do I do with that? What do I want to do? I want to teach. I like teaching higher education, doing research. How do you teach higher education in art? You need to get an MFA. And so then I started thinking about, OK, I got to get an MFA. And then so I started making work to have for an MFA application. And I thought about that too late, um, but I figured it out. It all worked out. We're good. How it always works for me. Um, but yeah, like I was, I was applying to MFA programs in like my the spring of my senior year, which is too late to be thinking about applying to grad school. Like a lot of the other schools, the applications were doing like October and November, and so I was applying to schools that had later application dates, like January, February. So
0: you're applying late to school. You're trying to figure out like you're making pieces that you want to submit in order to get into these schools. Why pick the art that you did? Cause you started making some very specific images and some very specific pieces that are reflective of your life yeah. and some of the experiences in your life. And some of those experiences are reflective of, some of the traumas that you experienced just as being a black person in society or being a human being, but also being a woman, being a woman in a larger body, being, you know, the second oldest daughter Mm -hmm. who then carries over from the first oldest daughter when she leaves the house Mm -hmm. in a African-American family. Um, but also those experiences are similar to, um, other oldest daughters in families of people of color. Yeah. Um, this stuff started coming up, but this stuff just doesn't just come up as, I need to make work for my yes. master's degree. So why did this start coming up now
1: as what, twenty like twenty two twenty one 21 year old, like 22. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, I started like looking at, looking up other artists, like, like who is making work in the contemporary world? What does it look, What does it look like? Like what artists look like me and what are they making work about? But I think it was also just like, what is going to be like the most truthful thing that I do? And I think that it just naturally came to me, to talk about identity and things like that. And it's very interesting that, like, I picked that, in my opinion, because I was not well-researched on, like, contemporary art because my program didn't do that. And so it was just... It's interesting to see how a lot of Black women specifically will pick self-portraiture, body things, and and things about, like, race and, and growing up and, and that kind of stuff as what they do. Um, when, like, I also pick that, but without an outside reference point like it wasn't like I was trying to be like a Laura Simpson or a Carrie Mae Weems but like I was making work and touching on the subjects that they were touching on because we had the same things to talk about but I like wanted to talk about that stuff it, it was just like it's something that I felt like I need to talk about and I think also it's because so much of uh very accessible art is just like this very white male art. And so it looks so much different than the stuff that I wanted to see. And so I started making the work that I wanted to see without having the outside reference. a lot of that work was already being made. Like it was there. It was people that I could reference and talk to. But like, I just started pulling on that because that was what I felt like I could touch on. Like what else can I talk about? I'm I'm twenty two. I don't have a ton of life experience. I've literally only ever been in college. And so like what do I want to talk about? And so I was pulling from family. I was pulling from from identity and that kind of stuff. Just because I was like that's what feels important to me to talk about. Like that's what I wanted to talk about. I thought that was that was the important stuff. Like nothing superficial, nothing like whatever. That's what I wanted to do.
0: And that seems to have laid a foundation of what now has become your direction as an artist. And as you start to unfold these different aspects of who you are as you got more self-awareness and you're starting to learn yourself. There are things that have gotten deeper. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some things that maybe have gotten darker. Um, There are some things that when you got into your master's program that came out that I think uh, surprised our parents. Um, There are some things that you made light of that I think also showed in some moments Um, a little bit of awareness or sometimes shame Mm -hmm. um, from our parents, even though I know that you didn't mean for it to be that way. It did seem like they were a little taken back in those moments and some of the things that you revealed. Um, But once you got into your master's program, um, what made you start to like say, okay, so this is my path. I know I'm going to explore this, but um, we're going to, we're just going to start going deeper and deeper and deeper.
1: Well, because, I mean, one of it, and to be completely honest, legitimately, is because you have to make so much work in grad school. You just got to make a lot of work. You've got to make work all the time. And so, like, I was like, okay, ideas. What am I talking about? I'm talking about hair. I'm talking about race. I'm talking about body stuff. I'm doing all this. Like, why am I doing that? What is it happening? How does it look? Um, and you're constantly getting scrutinized on it. And so that's the thing you always get to make a lot of things. Um, but also, too, I think that, like, it, uh, I started pulling on these ideas and talking about this stuff because I did not have, like, the luxury of making art that included my body that did not talk about all this stuff because of just how I looked in general like I don't have a neutral body like when people a lot of people can can be a self-portrait artist or make work within a body or make this work or even make work about like their childhood but they live inside of like a neutral body to where no one is like implying like prejudices or or inherent biases onto that body to then make it into something else or like or make it into a thing and so no matter what i look like the work that i'm making is going to be about blackness and and being a woman and growing up in the south and being fat it's gonna be like just because it's a picture of me it doesn't matter anything else and so like i that's something that i also struggle with in grad school of like trying to uh to Not knowing how to verbalize what I wanted to do, but then also making that work and then having all of these inherent biases stacked on top of that, regardless of what this work was about. And when I started doing more research and like finding other artists, like a lot of of specifically black women talk about that. Like the idea that no matter what I do, my work is going to be about all of this stuff because that's who I am, whether I make it that way or not. And so I, instead of fighting against that, I leaned into it. And so that's just that's literally what I continue to do and what I do forever because I'm I, I I had a problem with trying to divorce myself from it in the beginning and now I don't I proudly want to make that work about that and people to assume it or whatever that's why I am a self portrait artist all of my work is a picture of me in some way shape or form because I want to be seen in that work but I also want people to see me or my body or however they can see themselves within that body in that institution because like it's very, very common to walk into an institution and not see a, a singular person that looks like you or have an experience like you. And now that I'm at the point to where I am showing in large institutions and museums and galleries and things like that, I want people to see. They, w- I want them to see themselves in that work.
0: And they do. And there's a lot of people connecting to it. And because of that, you have gotten a lot of opportunities. You've got a lot of people asking about it and wanting, you know, you to submit for their shows and all this stuff. But What happens when people see your pain? Like, how are you handling that when they're seeing and connecting to your pain and the images um, that you're presenting? Mm -hmm. How have you been able to to deal with that?
1: It is really interesting to think about because so many people have different different. um, Like. What is it like like responses to it? I've got anger from people. Just for me talk like making work about like living in the South, like when I'm that rebel flag piece that I have, like that is what I call my most controversial Facebook work because like, it'll get, it'll make it's, I can, I know when it's making its rounds because, uh, I'm getting comments or Instagram DMs about people getting, being mad about it. And so someone has picked it up again and it's making its rounds. Or like, you know, I've had a, I had a woman walk into, in grad school, I put up a piece about rape culture, uh, and about how like, like living in a, in a black body, uh, is inherently like violent, Like people will impact violence onto you. And she came in, looked at my work, didn't look at anything else in the gallery, looked at my work and went, ugh, and walked out. And like, so uh, and when I was like younger, looking at that, I was like, just, I was like, oh, I need to make something more general. I need to not be whatever. And I, I don't care now. But I also have had I've had a lot, more than one woman come to me like sobbing just because like a piece that I made is like has one minuscule something that she can relate to, and so she's just crying and like coming to me and wanting to talk to me about this thing and th- this this internal trauma that she has, and the one thing that I have kind of talked about that now she is you know this is how she's dealing with it, and so like I think that like now I also know how to separate my art from myself and so I'm making this work that is very personal or and it's actually legitimately a picture of me but I put it up there as the artwork and then I no longer have a connection to like that being me so even if I'm doing like a real like a, a subject that's like this is about specifically me about my childhood about me growing up something something it's not me so I don't feel like a offended with someone like doesn't like it or thinks it's ugly and stupid, or has an adverse reaction to it. Like, I don't feel personally offended by that stuff, like, anymore. So that's kind of how I deal with it. I think it's like, to separate myself from it. Like, the art has been made, and so the emotions are there, and now it is on the gallery wall, it's in the museum, and now I can st- take a step away from it. And so that's kind of, I think, how I how I deal with that. But also, I think it's really important, kind of backing up to another question that you asked, is that I make this work about, like, people seeing themselves, but also, like, it's it is very important for representation and, then, and not just like racial or gender representation, like class representation. I had a, a studio visit with a student today who was making work specifically about growing up poor in the South and how no, none of their faculty could relate to them or like really understand what they were doing. But then they put their work up and I go, I absolutely know exactly what you're talking about. I understand why this is this color. I understand why this is this shape, why this looks like this, why you use this language. Like I understand all of that because I get where you're coming from. And so there is, you know, I think that that, that student reaching out to me to be like, I know I got like, they saw my artist talk. Like, I think that you'll understand what I'm doing. And so then I'm there to understand them. And so I was just, like, telling them, like, you'll find the people that understand your art. You're not making that art. And I'm specifically not making art for people who are not going to get it. Like, when it comes to, like, if you're... If I'm making work specifically about the smell of hair burning on Easter because you're getting your hair flat ironed in the kitchen, if you don't understand what that smell smells like, that work is not for you. I'm not making it for you. I'm making it for somebody who's going to get it. And so, like, I think that's another reason why I do it because I want... I would... I love when I walk into art spaces and I go, oh, I get it. Like, that's it. Like, I understand that. And so, like, I want people to also have that experience. Is that experience healing? I think it very much so is. Because I think that, because, like, another thing I talked to this student about, because they were very much like, I'm making this work and I think that people are going to, to, I'm furthering negative connotations of growing up a certain way in the South. And I don't want people to just to, to, um, Always think that like everybody who is poor in the South is like this dirty hick or whatever, and like I think that it, it, if you reclaim that and you make work in a certain way it's not you're not going to be like like um like stereotyping or like or like um what is the word I'm looking for like you know perpetuating those stereotypes like it's your work and you're making it. And so and you're making it a certain way. So it's not going to always be negative. Maybe you're just reliving a fun memory. It doesn't like have to be a negative thing, even though someone who maybe wasn't in that situation might think that that's negative. Like you're talking about the great time you had on Christmas. Uh, you know, when you there's a great memory you have as a little kid. But like if someone looks at it, like takes a step back and they're in there and you're like, oh, on Christmas you had like one present and you opened it like in the back of your grandpa's pickup truck because like there was not a place in your house you could do it. Like, you know, it's like a thing of like, this is not going to always be negative. Like it's just an experience of somebody who maybe grew up in that same way would understand that that's not a negative thing.
0: Yeah. I must admit though, like some of the art that you make, and especially when you did the rebel flag thing, like Mm -hmm. I was so concerned a little not that you were making it not that I didn't want you to put it out there not that I didn't think it was a a, a moment of expression that you needed to get out mm-hmm. it's just that I know one art uh really brings about different feelings and yeah. emotions in people big thoughts big feelings right we live in a time right now where there's a very strong political element mm-hmm. um, the idea of hate is very much promoted um, there is, uh, you know, a trolls online, there's attacks online. And so I think, you know, as your sister, my concern was in like your safety. Like, I yeah. don't care if no one likes your art. I don't care if they disagree with it, but it's like, I don't want nobody, like ain't nobody finna be like trying to hurt my sister. <laughs> uh-huh. And so that is like very much, it's almost like a little bit of an emotional type of pull or roller coaster to, roller coaster coaster to know that um you know you're putting these things out there i'm experiencing these motions just in your safety almost but um have you ever given any thought to that or is it just me being overprotective no ancestors? i mean i
1: did especially with the rebel flag piece because like so many people like if you, if you grow up in the south you know what that 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 symbol means to so many people and that's why i did it and i made that piece the summer of 2016 Um, I was teaching at a very rural school in the forest where I would drive by rebel flags every day, hanging off the back of trucks on the t-shirts of my students on belt buckles. I saw it every single day. And as someone again, who grew up in the South, I know what that flag means. Like we were brought up literally to be like, if somebody has that flag, on them or on that car don't go near that person like we we grew up as little black children in very rural florida like people might not think that florida is the south florida is the south we're not from fun beach florida we are from racist cows and horses florida like very much so clan rallies and stuff like that is it's we grew up knowing to steer clear of that and knowing what what that symbol means no matter what anybody says it actually means and so that was also right before Donald Trump was elected. And so a lot of like the a lot of, of the stuff around that flag was like becoming even more scary. As in like it was definitely becoming a stand in for like a white supremacy um like token like that's that was what was happening and that's why i was like okay i need to make this piece right now and so for anyone who hasn't seen it the piece i made this black substance out of like my hair and like fingernails and my spit and it's literally like a black tar and i had this flag and i was using my hands and my arms to like smear this black substance all over this black flag uh all this flag and uh and it's like literally i was like metaphorically and physically imparting my blackness onto this very racist symbol that i've grown up seeing forever and like making that work, and there was no talking in that video. There, there's not even any context if you don't uh, like know, read the artist statement. If it, when it's been posted on like Instagram and or in like Facebook and stuff, there's no artist statement there. So you would have to understand what I was doing and see it as disrespectful to be really upset. Uh, and I guess putting black stuff on a flag is probably inherently disrespectful. Whatever, I don't care. But like, I mean, like there, I have never been scared. About it, but I have like been gotten very threatening messages about that piece. Like like when it's posted online and stuff. I've shown that piece um, several times, like at different institutions. I've only ever been present for one of them, and so I don't know how other people have reacted to that piece in like other parts of the country. It's I've only ever shown it in the South. I think I don't think I've shown it anywhere else because it, it makes its context here. But I've only shown it in person one time where I was physically there. Every other time, has I've not been there to see how people react. You've never told us that you were getting messages online. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I'm sure our father has followed people on Facebook about it because he posts about it all the time. So, like, especially when I first made it, he was reposting it on, on Instagram and or posting it on Facebook and stuff. And I think he was cussing people out in the comments. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> it's fine. I'm not, I've never felt physically afraid for it. But I also am just like, I'm not going to make a work. I'm not going to stop making it work because I'm afraid about it. Like, I'm just... I don't know. Maybe my my will to live is, like, pretty low. So, like... <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Your sister's
0: going to have, I'm an ex- I'm gonna have a, a, a semi-anxiety attack here. <laughs> Let me take a couple deep breaths and reground myself. Okay? Um, young lady, I don't have the mm. mental and emotional capacity to have that conversation with you right now in the middle of this podcast. Okay? So, we're going to move on to the next part of this. Okay? <sighs> Usa. Okay? So... Bring me to now uh-huh. because you're doing a lot of work about hair. Yes. And you curated this wonderful, wonderful um,
1: show. Ex- exhibition. Exhibition
0: yep. that's still um, at the Southeastern Museum of Photography yes. in Daytona Beach. Florida Until May, I believe. Until May, uh, May 2023. So you're making a lot of stuff about hair now. You, you've been through all of the, um, you know, Self awareness and organizing your life, and thinking about where my art's going to go from here, and what I'm going to do next. How did you end up in hair, and then all of a sudden the hair just took off? Like the hair is so popular <laughs> yeah. across museums.
1: Um, I think that it's because okay, so I made that first set of hair um, pieces. I mean, I've been making white hair, about hair, but why hair? Okay, so we're we're black people, right? Specifically, born women. There's so much there's so much history and like just trauma in relation to getting your hair done as a little kid, having hair in general, like, like all of that. So I was, I, so I, I, I've been making work about hair, like all through grad school. And then I made this, uh, like I made these other pieces. I've been still been doing stuff about hair, but like, Basically thinking about the idea of like how that affects me as a person, how that affected me growing up, signs of beauty, how it makes you feel, the relationship that we have with the women in our family because of hair, um, and like what, how that, how that then can like relate how you grow up and stuff. So like, and also the idea too that like we grew up getting chemical relaxers, and so there's lots of trauma in the process of getting a relaxer. Um, but then like the idea of like then going through the big chop and like then going natural. And so when I first started making, like, this work that's, like, kind of, a like very popular stuff that I've been making, um, I made these hair hoops called Matriarchal Line. And um, we can talk about this because you're a part of that. I made these cyanotype pieces of hair of me and my two sisters and our mother. And to make these, I needed, I needed hair. Like, I need you to cut a piece of it off for me. That was trauma. <laughs> and literally asking like begging like I'm not exactly begging to get hair from my sisters or my mother like not even a lot of it I wanted a lot of it but like they wouldn't give me a lot I cut so much of my own hair off I didn't care that I did not was not I didn't really care at all like I needed so much of it and like y'all were acting like I was asking you to, to cut a whole arm off to give you a whole arm but like I wanted just like a nice good piece of hair to make a print from but, like, why, I'm I'm interviewing you now, Tasha, why is it crazy for me to ask you to just cut a piece of your hair off and give it to me? I'm
0: not ready for the emotional connection, <laughs> okay, of having my hair cut in any particular place. Uh-huh. So we're still going to have to continue to revisit that because you continue to ask us for hair. I do. I need to people
1: keep buying the hoops. You want, you don't want me to make money. Oh Jesus. Well, Uh, so anyway, I don't, I don't, I've said I'm not going to sell any more of them anyway. I sold my first set and I, that was a mistake. And so, um, I'm not going to sell any more of them. So I do need more. (laughs) I need to make more. But I, so I started making this work though specifically because talking about the trauma, of of hair, but also the connection that yes, particularly I'm talking about. But black you got women. hair.
0: I mean, we eventually gave you, you some did hair. Give me some. But it's very unsettling because it's not like a situation where you ever stop. And one, someone asks you for their hair. Number one, we live in the South, and so there are certain understandings like superstitions, and superstitions. I talk about that about giving your hair away mm-hmm. and where it's going to go and end up yes and uh as much as i'd like to think that i am more of a modern woman i still fall victim to thinking that my hair is going to end up in somebody's bird nest somewhere and i'm going to like be ball headed after that you know <laughs> or whatever superstition i was caught up on that day but i think the other part of that is that um the idea of the, your hair is an extension of your crown and your crown for black women is a big part of like your identity or maybe how you see yourself or the work that you put into yourself or the ideas of being kept or unkept. Mm-hmm. And any type of injury to that becomes an injury to like who you are um, in many ways. And so you almost sometimes have to prepare yourself for that Um That experience. And I think, you know, not to get off topic, but you know, this is why the the big chop, you know, going from, you know, relaxed hair to natural hair is such a, uh, like, a traumatic experience, but a liberating experience and a coming back to yourself type of experience for black women, because that, that hair is a black woman's crown. And, you know, there was a a beautiful photography book about it. Have you seen that book crowns? I'm sure I have with like church hats and all that. And Uh anyway, so That experience itself is is, you know, I think there's also um, some very like spiritual qualities to like hair and the way in which from the time that we're born, you tend to the hair, you comb the hair, you 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 have these bonding moments with your mother when she's doing your hair with your grandmother owning a salon. So hair was very much integrated into how we relate and how love is shown Uh to one another. So if you're asking me to cut my hair when, you know, we know Mother Dear has spent many hours Mm -hmm. and has almost given us a piece of her life and now, you know, losing her eyesight and arthritis in her hands because she did hair and did our hair for her entire life. You're asking me to like in some ways, be disrespectful to that lineage.
1: You are. Being I know it's that dramatic. I am
0: being so dramatic.
1: dramatic. But also, okay. So, but also, when it comes to, to like a, a, a women and hair, a lot of it too is just like you know your a lot of of your value is often tied to your hair, the texture of it, the length of it. Uh, a lot of like when when a lot of uh like ways that. Uh, women have been humiliated historically. is yes. shaving all their hair, hair off. off. Yes, uh, and like so, like I know the idea that women, a lot of women, are very, very connected to the length of their hair. And even me asking you to give me a little tiny bit of it, you're like, no. There are people who like women will barely trim their hair. They're holding on to like three strands. Like these are my these are my three strands. Don't you dare touch them. Like, I'm honestly not. It was not the length. Honestly, it was the cutting. It was not but, the length. You gave me the tiniest little piece. But anyway, you got it. And you got it twice. I did. You did give me two pieces. I know. But I'm just saying, like, it's like, a lot of that is, like, connected connected to, like, the act of, of making your hair shorter. Am I going to be ugly? Like, all of this. Because, like, I would say when I did my big chop, because I did my big chop way before everybody else in our family did. I was, like, 16, you did. I was 16 years old. And so I did my big chop. And I remember when I first tried to do my big chop, Mother Dare wouldn't do it. She took me to one of her friends, and it's an older black woman, and she wouldn't do it either. She trimmed my hair, but then she flat-ironed it into, like, this short hairstyle or whatever, and I wanted a solid shave i was like boom i don't i was in high school too and i didn't care i was like i got like three inches of new growth chop it off and i'll just have a little afro until like my hair grows out you should have known that lady and, was not gonna she shave would, your but hair she's so old-fashioned she refused and i was no too, she was scared of your was grandmother but well, no mother <laughs> dear, but no mother dear was like do it and when, i remember when i got back in the car mother did picked me up and she was like oh she didn't cut your hair like i was too young to like fight with this yeah old lady and so I was like yeah it's fine but like I that's what it wasn't what I wanted like I wanted just all over like teeny weeny afro that's what I wanted Yeah. Um, and so eventually um, I like I let my hair grow out for a couple more months and then daddy took me somewhere else and then they cut the rest of it off for me but like it was like she she wouldn't do it, like she she had ingrained fear thoughts mm-hmm. about what I should look like as a little black girl, and she would not do it, and so like I think that that is a lot of that goes into like why I'm making this work about hair and, and talking about it, and I think also too the act of me getting the hair like when it comes to a lot of my work too, I like guess it lives as as a piece, like an art piece, but it's the acts of stuff happening are also part of the art, me being able to me talk about me talking about. You're not giving me any hair, or me talking about like, you know, the whole idea too of like, where is this hair gonna end up when I'm done? Like, I've had com- I had conversations. And this is another thing. Great representation. When I showed this work the very first time in 2018, I had a girl come up to me and ask me how, um, my like mother react to this. And did she ask for the hair back when I was done? Because she wanted to like dispose of it herself. And she was like, you know, cause she was like, you know, like she literally brought up the whole like superstitions of like where your hair is going to end up on her own. I didn't even talk about that in my artist talk when I did it for that. She brought it up and I was like, Again, I'm making this work with someone who gets it. Like she understood where I was coming from when I talked about getting the hair was hard, how it looks, how it ended up, why I made it, like all this stuff. And I was like, my mother was a nurse, you know, like all the like all of these like like old fashioned beliefs about hair. And then she, and she's like, I get it. And I was like, exactly. You know, like it's a it's definitely a point. So I'm making it for that. But like it becomes like all the concept behind it also becomes part part of the work as well. The talking about it and everything. So. Is
0: there anything that you want people to know about your work and your life experience and how it shows up in your work? Anything that of that that you want people to know that you've never got a chance to say at a show or actually knowing you, you say everything you want to say. But is there anything you want people to know about these lived experiences and how they show up in different artists works?
1: Um, I would say that, like, I mean, I say whatever I want to say all the time. I'm at the point to where I'm not. Um, you know, I'm not pulling any punches. I'm not not being uh, honest because, I, again, like I talked about, like, like the work is the work, but also how I talk about it and why I make it is also the work. And so I talk about everything. Um, but I would say, like, when it comes to like the the why I'm making it, or what I'm doing it, every, everything that I'm doing is genuine because I don't have a need to like lie about anything. And so if I'm making something that's specifically about a certain thing. I'm making that because I felt like it needed to be said at that time and so that's why I'm making that work and I think when it comes to a lot of artists I like that as well. We are living in like a literal hell right now so like so many artists are like making work specifically about addressing issues and things that are happening and like literally the government is taking all of our rights away like constantly just any person who is not does not live in a neutral body your rights are being stripped away from you, literally in this government and so like I'm like I'm making that work to say something because I think people need to hear it. And I also and like, I'm not famous, but I have a little bit of a position of power now in the reach that my art has. And so that is very important to me. And so I want to make this work and be genuine about it so that it can then be shown in places where people are going to see it and they'll have a conversation. Maybe they'll send me hate mail about it. I literally don't care. And so like I, if it's if, good, if, if you have, if you have a, such a reaction to it, to where you want to send me a hate DM, Wonderful. I'll read it and respond to you. I
0: I don't want that. Let's just make <laughs> that clear, okay? I I want um, the impossible. I want I want everyone to be respectful of other people and everyone to treat everybody like human beings. So I just want to sure. make sure that's clear.
1: Well, I'll say that this work feels better to me than the like the commercial or whatever work that I was making before this and this work will always feel better to me even when I was trying to make work that was more general when I try to make work that's more open for other audiences when I have to make work for exhibitions where they're like no nudity no this I go literally all my work is my naked body I don't know what you want from me why do you ask me to be in this show and so like when I'm doing that or trying to censor myself or all that stuff none of that feels good but making work that is very genuine and true to me and my experiences and talking about things. I feel like people need to hear stuff. That stuff always feels the best to me. So I'm going to continue to do that.
0: Final question. Yeah. Has anyone, or can you give us a time about anyone has walked up to you and has told you a story or um, told you something about your art that was really healing or really inspiring um, or really impactful for them?
1: I think it's like, it's happened a lot. And I think, okay, so the very first, I'll talk, okay, I'll tell you the very first time it happened to me, it was my undergraduate thesis show. So I do not know how to talk about my work. I've barely touched on the subjects that I want to do. I'm like not even anywhere near the art that I make now or knowing how to talk about it or envision it or whatever. But for my undergraduate thesis exhibition, I took our, I don't know if you remember this work, I took our family photos and I like, distor- I put the, I made like transfers out of them so they were kind of distorted and I put them in water and I was moving the water and I photographed the water so they were like these very, like lo- lo- looked like they were memories floating in an abyss yeah. that was like distorted and then I wrote like what was actually happening like in the images and I had a picture of me and Keith sitting on uncle Kent's lap and the thing that I wrote underneath it said I've only ever seen my uncle during visiting hours. Because backstory, we have an uncle who has been in prison our entire life. Who is no, longer, who is with no longer with us, and so I had never seen him out of prison before. And but the picture looks like. I think it it might've even been Easter or something. Like we were just Mm -hmm. like in dresses, like on, on Uncle Kent's lap, like so fun going to see my uncle Kent. And so like, I, like I had that work up and a woman came up to me and she was like trying to not cry. And like, this is again, 23 year old Julian. I never experienced before. I'm just trying to make art at this point. Like that's (laughs) not just a pretty person in a dress. And she came up to me and she's trying not to cry. And she's like, um, she was like my, I think she, she was like, um, She's like, she pulled me over and she pulled me to that piece and she was like, seeing this and she's like, I'm trying not to cry, get emotional to you, but my husband has been in jail for my my daughter's entire life and she and he's gonna be in there for her entire life and I have so many pictures that look just like this and that was her like today. and I didn't know how to how to react yeah. to that yeah. but like that and that's the very first and it's happened to me lots lots of times after that but that was the very first time it happened to me and to me to be like okay, so I want to make this other kind of art, and, like, it impacts people, and, like, I made this piece kind of talk about this thing that I've experienced, and then this woman is, like, coming to me to then be, like, I see myself, or I see my daughter in this piece that you made, this thing that you made, and I was just, like, you know, I don't, I don't, I didn't know how to react to that at the time. I think that, like, now I would know how to talk to this woman, but, like, at the time, I was just, like, oh, oh, okay, and, like, you know, I wasn't, like, mean to her, but I didn't know how to how to react to it emotionally yeah. and stuff and to also be taking all other people's emotions when it comes to the art that I make. So yeah.
0: That's why representation matters.
1: Yeah. Excellent.
0: Well, Julian, thank you for making the art that you make. I try, man. I think that it's probably um, helping and healing in more ways than maybe you believe or you think right now. Um, but I need you to drop your deets. That way, if anybody wants to look at some of your stuff, they know how to do that.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my website is my full name, julianmariebrowning.com. My Instagram is also my full name, so at julianmariebrowning. My Instagram has, like, behind-the-scenes stuff that I'm working on and my stories, but currently it's, like, a lot of K-pop and my beautiful daughter, who is a dog, um, who is a 14-year-old chihuahua. Um, lots of pictures of her on there. And so if you want to, to follow me on Instagram, that's literally a post. I'm on there all the time. That's a good way for you to contact me if you want to. Um, or you can, like, email me through my website, whatever you want. But that's how you, that's how you get to see me.
0: Oh, they can also see you because you're going to be joining us on some of our trauma retreats. Yes. Doing some uh, body and identity work. using Art stuff, art stuff and sanotypes. And I'm really excited for that. It's going to be really cool. Uh, but those will be happening on some of our trauma retreats. If you're interested in any of that, you can check out uh, thehealingbodymethod.com on the website. That's where we post all the information about our upcoming retreats. And with that, I just want to say thank you and i love you you're my sister thank you for having me on your (laughs) podcast and that is the first episode in our artist experience um on here on the drama perspective perspective thank you for listening please leave us a rating on wherever you listen to your podcast i don't care if it's good or bad your honest opinion just helps me make this show better